0: The Scale Well Podcast.
1: How to use technology to scale your business.
0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Scale Well Podcast. My name is Phil Bean. I'm here with my co founder at Nudge Coach, Matt Gamble. It's an easy to use client management system for wellness businesses. And we have another great guest with us today. We're talking to Dr. Shave Kapadia, Chief Medical Officer and Co-Founder of IGBO and also Co-Director of Cardiology at Bon Secours Medical Group. Is that right, Shave? Yes, that's correct. All right. I'm all over it. Um, so decades of experience as a board-certified cardiologist. You're an author. You're a speaker. Um, bring a, really a mastery of clinical medicine to preventative care, which I think is really cool. So we're excited to have you with us today. Thanks for hanging out with us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me,
1: Shave. It's great to have you here. The uh, I know it's just kind of funny. I think this is the first time we've done a podcast with someone who's actually in our city, but we're doing this online. Yeah, I can't decide. <laughs> it's confusing. If, did we drop the? We maybe dropped the ball on that. Yeah. So, well, I'm I'm sorry, but we're super pumped to have you here because, you know, how rare is it that we get to hang out with other groups in our space that are in the same city? I feel like most mm-hmm. of our connections and you know, fitness and wellness are generally outside of Richmond. So, Shave, I know. You know, Igbo's had a lot of great success recently. I know people in Richmond have heard about it. Um, you know, would love to, to help you all share the story as much as we can. So we'd love to just hear from you. How did you all create it? What is it? How did you kind of get to where you all are today?
2: No, great question. Thank you for, for having me. So, you know, I, I have been um, in the practice of medicine for, and it is a practice because you're always trying to master something that uh, mm-hmm. takes a long time. medicine for decades. And, you know, the way I look at it, and I'll kind of frame this because it really leads to the genesis of of Igbo, uh, um, is, you know, I I see medicine today as sort of the blockbusters model of care delivery. Uh, It's very hospital physician centric. It's not terribly consumer centric. It's episodic. It's reactive. Um, It's very patriarchal. There's a lot of adjectives one could use about healthcare today. It's more of a sick care system than a, a true health and mm-hmm. wellness type of system. And the model clearly is shifting and you're seeing that uh, shift to a Netflix sort of on demand uh, anytime type of model and it's happening. You see what happened to blockbusters, right? It, mm-hmm. a block bu- the bricks and mortar model doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. Netflix is the way people consume entertainment and information. And healthcare is very, very similar in where things are going. There's a lot of adjacent disruptive innovations that are happening, that are really enabling care delivery to the home. Uh, I really believe the future of care is really at home, mm-hmm. and to other spaces like CDS or Walgreens, where or Kroger's, where care delivery experiences are happening every day. And so, while while um, we can't get rid of the hospital or the doctor. They clearly need to continue to quarterback care. Mm-hmm. I really felt that there was an opportunity to, to provide physicians with better tools to care for their patients from afar and to do it in a personalized, proactive, preventative, predictive uh, type of model, P4 medicine, uh, mm-hmm. you may have heard that term. And um you know that was sort of really what's been baking for the past twenty years in my head. As as I see patients every fifteen or twenty minutes, think I provide an awesome experience, but once they leave my office or leave my hospital uh, f- uh, from being hospitalized, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. And yet, ninety nine percent of a patient's healthcare journey is outside that bricks and mortar ecosystem, right? So, who's watching? Who's delivering? Who's caring for that patient that time? So, with that in mind. Um, Nuno Valentine, my co-founder, and I started a company called C3 Nexus about five years ago. And the, the, the idea was exactly how could we use technology to monitor and manage patients from afar with chronic illnesses um, using a high-tech coupled with a high-touch approach, realizing that technology is a great enabler, but you still need that human interface to manage patients through their, their, their care. And could we shift the model to become continuous, proactive uh, type of care delivery? And so we started this company called C3 Nexus to manage heart failure patients that were discharged from the hospital using wearable, wearable technology to monitor important vital signs tied in with health coaching nurse, social worker, nutritionist to manage these patients over, you know, 30 to 90 days. And so quite successfully, we, we reduced uh, hospital readmissions from what was 20% down to 4% all cause at 30 days, huge, huge uh, pain point for our hospitals all over the country. Well, in that model, we, we learned very quickly that while the virtual care model was amazing, um, that the path for revenue was a bit challenging. We were very early early in our, in our timing uh, to the market that while readmissions were a pain point, the financials still incentivized hospitals um, in different ways. And, uh, and so we knew that we, we were doing amazing stuff um, and we captured the idea, uh, captured the, the, the interest of the Mayo Clinic and underway is sort of an NIH funded randomized clinical trial to test this home remote care hypothesis. So, um, but along the way, we, we knew while the virtual care model was amazing that uh, there was still this last mile problem with the patients that you know they still needed diagnostics, they needed nursing interventions, they needed something at home. And traditionally, the patient would have to then come back to the doctor to get those diagnostics. And the other thing that we realized is that a lot of the assets that manage these patients, phlebotomists, nurses, physical therapists, imaging technicians... We're all locked up in silos. And we we thought, well, what if we could create a model that would digitally dispatch sort of on a variable cost model basis, uh, this kind of labor to the patient's home or wherever to do what's needed to be done, to draw blood, to take vital signs, to, to give medications. And so that was really the genesis of, of Igbo that sort of on-demand healthcare, healthcare uh, labor delivery model. And we thought, well, this this is, this is really interesting because if you look at the gig economy in other sectors um, on the consumer side, it really unlocked all these amazing assets. You looked at what Uber did in unlocking uh, cars and ride sharing. You look at what Airbnb did in terms of unlocking spaces. Uh, for people to rent and Task Rabbit for, for other kinds of, of labor. And so why not healthcare? You know, you've mm-hmm. got all these trapped assets and, you know, labor, whether it's a lab or a hospital um, or any other healthcare institution, has all these fixed assets that are not being optimized uh, efficiently. And, and we know that there's a lot of waste in healthcare, right? It's, it's right, right, terribly, right, right. terribly inefficient. It's mediocre at best. And what if we could unlock these assets and, in a shared services model, um, help patients uh, in an on-demand type of model? So that was really where uh, the idea of Igbo was hashed, is that could we Uberize this, uh, this, this healthcare labor to manage patients anytime, anywhere? So not necessarily even at home, but uh, you know, in the hospital, in the clinic, in a CVS, for example... Right. And we started really learning about, we really thought, well, let's start with with lab diagnostics because that, that was really a, a broken system that we know that phlebotomy across the country is done by, you know, they're the lowest paid of, of the health care uh, labor value chain. And yet they perform a very, very important function. They draw blood and lab diagnostics drive 70 to 80% of what I do you know, need as a physician to to diagnose and manage a patient. And and yet they cost only, it's only 3% of the healthcare spend, right? So 70% uh, driver of decisions, 3% of the healthcare spend. And yet, listen to this, that the compliance for getting this lab test is at best 70%. So yeah. what does that mean, right? So that means I'm a doctor, I order a, a lab test for my patient, let's say it's a it's a fasting lipid profile a cholesterol profile and i give the patient an order to get the blood drawn so 30 to 40 percent of time they're never gonna get the blood drawn why because it's in the future Um, they forget the dog eats the the lab slip. (laughs) it's not convenient you know yada 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 and you think about a working person that has to go get up go not eat or drink anything and have to go to a lab core service center or have to go to a hospital or wherever to get that blood drawn, it's very inconvenient. And so sometimes the blood doesn't get drawn. And what's the unintended consequence of, of not getting that important diagnostic? There's no downstream visibility of, that, uh, of, of those tests, and so that it impacts care management. So if you think about chronic illnesses like diabetes, and chronic kidney disease, and heart disease, all which require certain kinds of lab testing to monitor disease or uncover hidden risk, then you lose that opportunity. So we really felt that, gosh, you know, laboratory testing is, is a huge driver. There are 4,000 specialty labs in the country or more. There's three, you know, there's a top two reference labs, LabCorp and Quest. There's health systems. Um, there's wellness companies. There's clinical trials. There's 1.4 billion vena punctures a year in the United States. Very similar. Sort of the number of taxi rides as we continue this Uber <laughs> analogy, and um, and that's that's just a conservative estimate. So how can we appropriately leverage technology to drive a, the right testing at the right time? Not to overutilize testing, but to, to to just do what needs to be done to to enable people to get the right care. So mm-hmm. I've talked a lot, um, <laughs> but that's that's really. That was really the genesis of Igbo. And so myself, Nuno, and Mark Van Rockel, our third co-founder, came together in two thousand fifteen, put together a plat build a platform, and set out to 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 disrupt uh healthcare, you know, with on demand uh, technology.
1: Sounds really easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it's done, right. Yeah, yeah. So now what
1: are you going to do? <laughs> um, we've moved on, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Well, that great great story, Shane. <laughs> Ready for something else. Um, one thing that keeps coming up, and I know probably a lot of people in Richmond or a lot of the circles we've been in that we've had a chance to know you all has been kind of, oh, those Igbo guys are the Uber for phlebotomists. And I think, I think a lot of people missed the stair-step approach you all were using to really create the model to unlock and probably touch. Countless verticals mm-hmm. around healthcare. I mean, you—the mm-hmm. quote I see, and I've seen on your website and some other materials—One platform managing healthcare labor. And so, I think that that was a really kind of powerful statement when I when I first read it because I realized, oh my god, now that they've created all of this, there really are so many different opportunities across healthcare with it. Mm-hmm. So, from your perspective, I know you started there. Kind of, what's what's the next step? So, you start with phlebotomy. I mean, are there what are the obvious next pieces you can start pulling into this type of model?
2: Well, so, um, you know, we're still, I I would say that we're, we haven't fully cracked the code yet. I mean, we're, we're cracking the code on, on, on diagnostics. And, uh, you know, as you said, there's so many opportunities and healthcare, you know, takes a while. And so, uh, it's not as easy, uh, as I made it sound. Um, (laughs) but I think, but I think, uh, you know, people are understanding this and the, the, the cool thing about our platform is that it, we're not disintermediating any of our stakeholders, right? It's is way more complex than Uber. It's uh, from a two-sided to a four-sided model, right? Who are our stakeholders? And I think that'll help define. Then the other stuff yeah. that we'll talk about is you've got we're connecting doctors, labs, and phlebotomists and patients. Uh, so those are the four stakeholders, really,
1: right.
2: really. And we look at them as communities or networks, right? So we're building we're building a network of uh, of phlebotomists, Iggy's healthcare technicians, uh, we're building, uh, uh, and, and, and that is really a combination of 1099 workers, but also employed workers that may be banded together, um, in, in a company, you know, like a phlebotomy company, yeah. or they may be in an institution, right? So we, we kind of have this private and public network. So for example, um, a core or a Quest, uh, to give an example, you know, has 12,000 phlebotomists around the country, right? So as they look at what, what's happening to, to, to their model, you know, that's, that's a big cost driver, right? At some point in time, they're looking, how can we drive more efficiency here? And some mm-hmm. of that may be cutting back the number of phlebotomists. It may be reducing the, the number and impact of patient, bricks and mortar patient service centers and to try to virtualize the model at the very basic, what they're really interested in an Igbo platform is how can I take this network of phlebotomists that we have our labor and optimize them, right? So that, you know, the busiest time for a phlebotomist is from, you know, morning, early morning to midday. And after that, you know, it's, it's, it's a very slow time. So how can we take that unused asset and, and dispatch them somewhere where they'd be more effective? So, it's, it's the private network that we can really manage of, of healthcare labor, but then tap into a public sort of independent labor that's out there. So we're developing that community of labor. And that's mm-hmm. what we really see as, as our generation, your generation, you know, continues. They're thinking, gosh, how, how can I, I want to work full-time or I want to work on my own. And you can take a nurse that has, you know, stay at home, is a stay at home mom, but, you know, really wants to make some extra money. You know, what could she do from, from nine to 2 PM, you know, she could draw blood or she could do something else. So we're really unleashing opportunities for people to, to work at their own uh, uh, on their own time. Okay. So that's, that's that community of labor. Then we're developing this whole network of labs and really trying to provide value there because their whole thing is, well, how do I get this great science to physicians in the service of their patients? And so, you know, they've got to hire a lot of sales force, uh, but at the end of the day, they come to a grinding halt. Where, well, I, I can tell a doctor that he's got great science, but how is he going to draw the blood? And then the, the discussion, it becomes out of sight, out of mind. So now we can enable that. If you think of our model as sort of the iTunes of labs, um, that we can create a a network of labs that we can then take to providers, physicians all over the country. And now they can choose and create playlists very much of how you think about Spotify or iTunes, that they can now get exposed to different labs. Igbo can recommend different labs based on um, usage of, of of the community of other providers that are out there that, uh, that are like that, that doctor. So we're creating communities, networks of labs, uh, community of labor. And then of course the network and community of, of, of physicians, providers around the country to, to be able to, uh, tap into all this, mm-hmm. this amazing science. Yeah. So that's where we see Igbo right now in terms of the lab side. Um, but what else could, what else could this, this, uh, uh, these people connect and do well, think about, um, um, think about home health type of models, right? Where, Um, Again, there are a lot of their big home health companies or small home health companies. Um, All these people are fighting for the same pool of really good talent. And how could we democratize access to all this kind of labor and liberate it in a way that makes sense for all these providers uh, and to use not only to, to, to leverage labor more efficiently, but also our system allows vetting of of high-quality labor because we have our rating system, right? So, you know, what we see in all kinds of sectors, but particularly in healthcare, there's a lot of mediocrity. And how, so our system really vets that through the initial onboarding, but all the intelligence that we have as uh, as that labor is doing what they need to do. And then they get ratings by the patient, by the provider, by the other end user, and all these ratings then drive who's going to get the job and who's not going to get the job. So you start to see uh, what is a heterogeneous group of variable quality labor. Now you start to see, uh, you know, really high quality labor Mm -hmm. drive to the top in service of many more people. So, so home health is one, the another area is imaging. And so, you know, as, as we think about obviously CT and MRI are, are fixed units, but, but there are efficiencies in, in those models at, at fixed sites is, you know, if, uh, if um, you know, healthcare is like, it's like a real estate play if you think about hospitals mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, we kind of operate from eight to five and then everyone goes home, uh, the radiologists go home or the imaging technicians go home. But how can we optimize the labor to, to run those units more efficient, efficiently? So with the right quality labor, that's one but the other is looking at mobility. And so you look at ultrasound imaging uh, of the heart, of any other body and ultrasound lends, lends itself to mobility. So what if you could, what if I, as a cardiologist, you know, I've got patients that need echocardiograms that live in, you know, poorly served areas. Uh, instead of having them come and get their echocardiograms in my office, what if I could dispatch an Iggy to do an ultrasound examination at home there? Mm-hmm. Um, and what if you could couple that with a virtual kind of visit too, you know, right, right, right. medicine and, and and all of that. So, you know, we're that last mile. I I think of all the things that Igbo can can really tap into. It's really all these last mile type of problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The last mile of care, I love that that phrasing too. Yeah. That that was really cool. I wanna also hit on, I mean, we've we've definitely touched on the sort of access problem here mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. There's I think another side of this that you alluded to a lot at the beginning, but I want to just bring it back around to kind of bring bring everyone back to the sort of impact and implications of, of what you guys are doing, which is, right. you know, that you have, you know, 75 to 80% of the information you need is accessible through these labs. So through a blood draw, which is basically all the data you need to, to um, do your job effectively mm-hmm. as a physician. So right. thinking about 30 to 40% of people not getting that blood yeah. drawn. I mean, the impact on just a, a physician-to-physician impact level is nuts. You talk about, I mean, the difference that you can make in that regard just in terms of getting that data that has been locked in a person out of them more often to make sure that a doctor can make be- better decisions.
1: Yeah, you would have thought there'd been more emphasis for, for years on this part of the pain point, you know, just <laughs> in getting that data. Just, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's kind of like, Trying to make a you know pretty monumental decision about you know care continuum here with this individual and not having that kind of benchmark of information other than you know some of the questionnaire that, that maybe I fill out when I first go to a practice but yeah it's a, and I will admit I'm probably a part of that stat the thirty to forty percent because you're right I mean the the inconvenience factor is you're right, and if you don't live down the street from a lab. You know, most I can see why most people don't follow through with it. I mean, it is a huge, and I can see it being a massive pain point. So, I mean, how did you all start? So, you, you saw the pain point. I think one of the most interesting things for me when I look at a model like this is the the dynamic of a marketplace is really interesting to me because at scale, you can see how it works efficiently and effectively, mm-hmm. but it's really kind of awkward at first when you start a marketplace concept. I mean, what was the kind of MVP of this concept?
2: Yeah, so we you know the 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 place where it really resonated and and that's it's probably from we understood the specialty lab space yeah really really well um so that's what you're talking about is as to who who were the initial you know the early adopters right right
1: when And the, the early adopters, of adopters yeah yeah, yeah
2: the, the the so the issue with with um specialty labs really started with um is the whole issue of access because in order for them to tap into all these docs around the country, they would have to hire an army of, uh, of phlebotomists yeah. to go, draw blood. And there were some interesting um, regulatory changes that occurred in 2014 that really uh, accelerated the pain point for these specialty labs, where they were, you know, it, it became very, very clear. It was totally clear that that labs could not pay physicians for anything Mm -hmm. and particularly not to draw blood. Um, and even though that, that made sense from a time and motion standpoint from an OIG office, office of inspector general standpoint, it was very clear that a lab cannot pay a doctor to draw blood. So having a phlebotomist in an office, you know, it's already a, a cost. Now I couldn't even have that doctor's nurse draw blood for my, for my lab, um, Oh, well, I could, I could, I could have them draw it, but I couldn't pay them for it. Mm-hmm. So their, their path to market became challenging. And, you know, a, a lot of this came, come, is coming to a head because if you look at what's happening to, to, on the laboratory side, man, the amount of tests that are there, there are probably 10 new biomarkers being uh, produced every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tsunami of, of laboratory testing is just incredible. Actually, I think it's accelerating at a pace and precision and price that's probably even faster than Moore's Law, you know, when you think of the yeah. conductor model. And, you know, mapping the human genome 10 years ago cost millions of dollars. And now you can do that for, you know, a couple of hundred dollars um, and faster, you know, and there are a lot more people doing it. So I think the science this progressed so fast and now you've got all these labs, laboratory companies, startups, um, some of them which are being gobbled by the, the, the lab course and quests out there, but they're the, they, the path to market is, 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 is something that, that, that uh, they couldn't accelerate fast enough because there was no way to draw the blood. The other part of this is the shift in, in care is, is, I think it's being enabled by some of these diagnostics, it's it's shifting from trial and error medicine, which is what I've been trying to practice for years, right? Because with the tools that we had to more personalized precision medicine. So no, no, you know, drawing blood on you. If I, if I, if I drew a series of blood tests now, I know what your genetics, what your metabolomics, what are some of your other biomarkers that can help guide, you know, my treatment Mm -hmm. of you or predict risk or change behavior. And so we have all that cutting-edge science today. We just didn't have a solution to deliver that, to take it to the next step. Uh, and and that, was, that was really why I think Igbo, the timing of Igbo couldn't have been better for the marketplace when there was, there was ACA. Uh, so ACA came out. Um, there was a lot that generated a lot of innovation outside of traditional healthcare spaces. Yeah. And I think the science of medicine had accelerated and then the other the other part of this perfect storm is really what's happening on the information technology side where you're looking at mobile you're looking at uh, the cloud and you're looking at analytics all at a crazy space so i think that 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 uh, all these forces really created that perfect storm where an igbo model was was ready to hit
1: the market mm-hmm. and so you all started the market i'm guessing just from from being in richmond I'm assuming you all started here. You kind of started your your initial test bed, the beta case of of here in Richmond locally.
2: Yeah. So, so I'm practicing in Richmond and then Nuno and Mark, both of mine are are based out of Richmond and, you know, Richmond traditionally, and you guys know this has not necessarily been the hotbed of, of startups. Yeah. Uh, But we (laughs) wanted to be. (laughs) Until now. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Until now. here we are with two uh, great Richmond startups. Um, Um, but why not? Why not Richmond? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So we, uh, we raised our money um, here locally. We, we got a group of seed investors um, and raised uh, 3 million locally. And, uh, and I can freely speak about that because it is public now, you mm-hmm. know, all of that. So we raised that. We, we architected the platform. We started, you know, our MVP with specialty labs and it really resonated. And as a result of that, we didn't realize, uh, but people like LabCorp and Quest, who we thought, why would they want, why would they be interested in Igbo? Right, right, right. Started coming to us because of the efficiency uh, type of options that they, they were looking at. You know, it was the efficiency, but also that we were very consumer centric. And that was really the model that we, mm-hmm. we, our whole mission was about bringing personalized medicine to everyone, transforming the human experience in healthcare and so that w- that's been on a lot of entities' minds. You know, A lot of these folks, labcore Quest, uh, and then healthcare, and then hospitals and healthcare systems started looking at us. Um, Siemens came to us, uh, I want to say, oh, well over a year ago. And we still kind of scratch our heads. Why would an $80 billion company call a startup? Um, and because they saw our platform and the potential mm-hmm. to really use our platform to, to dispatch imaging labor, if you will, and drive efficiencies there. So when, when we started getting that kind of interest, um, we knew we needed to go for another raise. We got the interest through a lot of networks, you know, from Silicon Valley, from uh, uh, family fund offices. And so we we, we, rose and we raised another $3 million, uh, include from our investors here locally, but also with West Coast uh, type of investors, Boston, Austin. Um, and we were off to the the races and then our next model was really you know to look at all the business verticals that we had ahead of us so we had the specialty lab model and we're still you know we've got a couple of hundred specialty labs now on our network you know we started uh, labcorp quest conversations we started working with several different health systems wellness companies so we knew that we needed to have more capital to get traction in these business in the in these in these spaces and so then we got the interest of a, a big VC out of Nashville, so another hotbed of innovation. I um, call the Heritage Group, and they led our Series A round about seven months ago. So yeah, seven or eight months ago, and we raised an additional thirteen million um, from them and our other investors. And. Uh, um, you know at that point we knew that we were our, our goal here was to really build out the the models for each of these verticals mm-hmm. and you know that's sort of what we've done now and now the next step in our journey is really to scale you know uh, nationally so at this point in time and intentionally or unintentionally you know we have a national footprint we're in about 180 cities we have a lot of breadth but we don't have as much depth as we'd like in all these markets and so what we've done is really picked six to 10 different cities are around the country that we call star cities, tier one cities where we have anchor health systems. And then we're building, you know, all our businesses around that. So, so that's
1: the key. If you, you start there, you find the health system and build on top of it. Okay. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And so that's, that's really kind of what I was curious about is yeah. what is that process to start that marketplace concept? You know, what is that step, you know, phase one you need?
2: Yeah. So So how did,
1: how throughout this entire process,
0: I mean, we're talking, you guys are moving pretty fast, by the way. Can we, can we timeline this out a little bit? We had a couple of $3 million raises and then up to 13, 13. and this is all, you know, pretty back to back to back, correct?
2: Yeah. So, so 2015, um, so this is how it kind of played out. So I would say the summer of 2015 was the seed raise. The Jan- December, January, 2016 was the seed extension. And then in June, July of 16 was mm-hmm. the series A.
0: Yeah. It's really
1: sitting on your hands over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So you all aren't doing anything over there and you solved healthcare in a week. And so, yeah, so yes, right. on to the new concept. So yeah, to- yeah, there
2: yeah. you go. We're moving on.
1: Yeah, for sure. Problem solved. Uh,
2: Well,
0: so let's take a a look at the other side of of what's going on here. You had to monetize this in some way, right? You had to show the the appeal from a monetary side for these investors, obviously, to be interested in showing you all this love over They're this. We're just
2: it away for free now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how you? We're just spreading the love. Spreading the love. <laughs> so how did how it's did you guys play go that? I mean, how did you have a complex model just in terms of all the things that are going yeah, it's on the four sided model I think, connecting? Yeah. So I mean, how do you begin to monetize something like that?
2: Yeah, and so the so that's that's that is the challenge, and that is the sixty four dollar uh, question that you know continues to evolve. I think um, in any market that we're in, the challenge is always managing the demand and managing the supply. Mm-hmm. And phlebotomists, you know, whatever their persona, persona or where they're coming from, they all exist in these different markets. We don't have to train them. They're they're, they're out there it's just tapping into them, but it's getting them engaged and matching supply and demand in any given market. So our model works like this. Uh, at least today, it does. Is that the labs, while while the doctors are are drive all the orders and uh, and start the igbo process today? I mean, there is a sort of consumer driven type of play mm-hmm. in some states, but today still everything starts with a doc, right? Right, yeah, right? The doctor writes an order. So the doc, the doctor writes the order, orders the lab. They choose the lab, um, and then you know igbo draws the lab, and, uh, and and deal is done. The results go back to the lab. And those results then come back like they traditionally do. So I just want to kind of, what we're disrupting is um, the whole collection space, you know, from the time the order is, is, is uh, sent out to the time it's dispatched, that the specimen is dispatched back to the mm-hmm. lab. So we're, we're not a lab, because that often, and it's good for your audience to understand that, because a lot of people get confused. Well, aren't you a lab? No, we're not a lab. Um, and we don't steer or tear. So the doctor writes the order for the lab test that he or she wants. And we merely execute on that. And we send those specimens back with high reliability, high fidelity, high quality back to the lab that they, you know, requested from. And then the lab, uh, whatever lab it is, then results back to the provider how they normally do. So we haven't disrupted that space yet. Um, but, uh, and we're a lab agnostic platform. So that's also, it's really important that when people look at us like, yeah, we have a network, but we're not telling docs what labs they should mm-hmm. order. So um, they're
1: just, a, they're able to go in there, select what's appropriate for their patient. Exactly. And then it gets fulfilled. And you all are just kind of the engine of the, I guess, yeah. transactions, not the right word, or maybe it is, but just the, uh, right. the process. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We're a logistics play there. I mean, yeah. really, and yep. yeah, at the end of the day, that's, that's what we do. So the docs drive. Uh, the order but the labs are our economic uh, partner in that sense. so they pay us for the value of um, collecting that specimen and doing it in, in, in a high quality way and so they pay us and then Igbo Pays the phlebotomist, so you know our model really is is a per click type of model. So it's a per click type of transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are models where we will pay phlebotomists on an hourly basis uh, at a wellness event, or if they're yeah. you know in office phlebotomist type of model. Um, but but it is it, it at the end of the day, the the, the unit economics our labs pay us. We pay the Iggy, and you know yeah. it's done. Now there are models that uh, we are we are driving towards now where it could be a health system acting Mm -hmm. as a lab or it could be a lab where as we build these networks of labs and we deliver different sites of service, whether it's at home or in a bricks and mortar location uh, or in the doctor's office where we've developed a subscription type of model where um, labs will pay for the opportunity to draw blood in, in all these different venues mm. and uh, because mobile tends to be a bit more expensive right i mean you have to go yep. to the patient's home and all that so the the the, the scalable the real scalable model is to have, to put a phlebotomist and iggy in one location and have a book of business that's already scheduled and they just draw 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 so the 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 price Per click becomes a, a lot less, and yeah that have you all started
1: have you all started trying that piece of the model yet, like working within an established practice already, or is it mainly at home at this point
2: so it's 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 uh, it's been at home for the the, the life cycle of the company yeah. until now, and so we're already testing those models in different markets, uh, and Richmond is one of those test markets where we're going to use uh, we've partnered with a bricks and mortar facility um, I don't know, Paul. Am I allowed to disclose that yet? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. For anyone who can't see, Shave's uh, handlers on the other side. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's, we're just joking. It's the mar- It's Paul Spicer from the marketing side of okay. we'll
2: yeah. Big We'll be announcing that soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, to be able to draw blood, um, you know, in a, in, in a convenient way. But you know, you think about it. Patients go to doctors. In pl- in places that may not necessarily coincide where they work and live, mm-hmm. and and so while it may be convenient when you're in the doctor's office to have your blood drawn if yeah. now, you know some other time it may not be. So we're we're offering lots of optionality right uh, to the labs, and so there's there's value to that, uh, and I think then then we serve uh, Igbo can serve as a way to really. Expand a, a labs offerings uh, to different providers and have exposure through our platform And again as I was talking about the sort of the iTunes mm-hmm. you know, they may have a book of labs that they use today, but if they have visibility on 10 15 other labs that as a cardiologist I might be interested in well That's that serves as a marketing that has marketing value. So so that's resonating in the marketplace already and now we can drop the per click type of fee Uh, down and and uh, that that uh, you know people like to think about buckets of of how they spend their money even health systems are are starting to resonate that okay I, i i i see there's a software technology play here and i'm willing to pay a subscription fee for that a membership fee but but there's also a service side to our model that i'm willing to pay a per click fee too that but that's mitigated you know attenuated by the fact that you've got this going on so That's a model that we're testing right now. Um, We think it's going to work, but you know, TBD. You know,
1: if you were so, you've gone through a lot over the past couple years, kind of building this company. I feel like y'all are really trying to crack some significant problems in the market, and you know, you're not just doing. I think a lot of startups are really, uh, you know, people. Heard people say before that most startups aren't actually disruptors; they're really just kind of more streamlining different processes in, in their respective industry. But I think what you all are doing is, is very disruptive uh, for the industry. If, for you know any other entrepreneurs or, or you know anyone trying to kind of launch a product or a business, listening to this, like, what do you have any kind of you know insight or tips or kind of what's your parting yeah, advice? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like I'm trying to really summarize <laughs> this, but you've done so much, so it's yeah.
2: So it's really honing in. On what problem are you trying to solve? I think a lot right. of people have a solution and then go seek out a problem, um, and that's that that leads to product market mismatch. You know, it, it it's really important I think to to think of what you're trying to solve, develop a solution around that, and then build the technology, and then of course the sales uh, mm-hmm. that, that are associated with that. That's sort of pyramid, but you've got to start with what problem are you going to solve, and you know it's it that that's the clarity that we've you know and there's different problems to solve in, in the space that we're in whether it's a specialty lab or a reference lab or a hospital and so every customer is unique and we try to not impose the Igbo model on there because it's a very customizable model um, but uh, um, it's, it's, it's the, the most important thing I think I can tell is, uh, is in part is really understand the problem understand your customer yeah, and then build a a crazy good product you know yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that's a great way to put it yeah I think <laughs> having that concise simple vision and you know knowing that it's going to be an iterative process no matter how you crack it but still staying focused on the pain point and what you're trying to solve is, is key
0: yeah and and that, focus is incredibly hard in, in any service yeah, 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 yeah so sure. that's something we've learned for sure firsthand so a couple things I've learned today focus hone in on that problem if you want to revolutionize, evolutionize, or streamline services in healthcare, wellness, or fitness, move to Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, we'll see you here. Um, and you guys are doing great work over at Igbo. I really appreciate you taking some time to hang out with us today, Dr. Shave. Um, where can people go to check out more about what Igbo is doing?
2: Well, check out. We re- recently revamped our uh, website that we're really proud of. It's Igbo.com, I-G-G-B-O.com um and you know uh, whether you're a provider a physician or you're a lab or you're a, a phlebotomist or an igbo uh, specialist you know there's uh, uh, there's something there's content there's a way to sign up for for each of those partners uh, and gather more information we have some great white papers that we've produced on uh, products that we've developed on around cancer uh, around around closing gaps in care, uh, around clinical trials or research. So, you know, there's a lot of great content uh, and and more to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, well, thanks again. That's Dr. Shave Capadio with IGBO, Chief Medical Officer, um, hanging out again with me and Mac here in the new pod quarters. The pod, at, I like that. The at pod, pod quarters is
1: a good name. Pod I'm going to come,
2: I'm gonna have to come out there yeah. and yep. live, uh, you know, visit with you guys. We're, Next
1: time. We're really <laughs> building this up, but I. We're going to have to really spruce the pod quarters up, I think, before visitors start. (laughs) It's a bit sparse. A bit sparse, but I'll I'll let you take it from here, Phil. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I I appreciate everyone tuning in again. Um, Go check out the Scale Well podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. I don't really care what you listen to it on. It's everywhere. (laughs) Um, SoundCloud, if you want. Why not? Or check out the Nudge Coach blog. It's there, too. Uh, But really appreciate you guys tuning in. Please rate it. We're already five stars. We want more five stars. Um, And we'll see you again on another episode next time. Thank you all so much.